Does your ass smell? Do you want to feel fresh and clean all day long? Of course you do. That's why you need soap. Soap is specifically formulated to gently clean, leaving you feeling refreshed and confident. Washing your ass with soap provides more than just a clean feeling and helps to maintain good hygiene and can even reduce the risk of skin irritation and infection. Soap, the simple solution for a clean and refreshed ass. Try it today and feel the difference. Soap, available wherever they sell soap. The best bits, or whatever. This is John Murphy. I'm John Murphy, right? And you're listening to the Best Bits Podcast. The best fucking podcast in Ireland. Hello, it's me, Kevin. And I'm joined by him, Will. William. It is I, William Kevin. How are thee? When did you switch from William to Will? Oh, I've had many pseudonyms over the years. Langer. And I can tell by whoever calls me a certain name where I know them from. So there's like some people will call me William and I can immediately go, oh, you're, let's say you, you're the person who calls me William. You always call me Will. I was known as Willie. My dad is Willie. And that became really. And they'd call you Willie. Yeah. And then you get a phone call to the house and they would say, yeah. uh, can I see your Willie? Do you want to speak to Big Willie or Small Willie? Oh, Big Willie. <laughs> and I didn't like that. Will, what are we doing? We are doing another one of these whatever episodes. And it's so what are we? Whatever that we are actually releasing some Patreon Q&A episodes we did last summer, I believe. We did about four of them. So here we are cutting to ourselves from last summer answering questions from Patreon. Enjoy. Adios. Hello, Patreon. This is Will here. We're back for another special Mini Bits episode. Special. And that's a little bit different to the usual format. As usual, I'm not here alone. I'm joined by Kevin. Hello, Kevin. How are you? I will. Good morning. (laughs) (laughs) Good morning. We don't normally record this early, isn't that No, we don't. The earliest we've ever recorded is the episode with Adam Randall for Best One Night in the City. That was really early. Was that like nine in the morning or something? It was. And that commentary we did was very early. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. It's so unusual for us. Um, I'm the one who's making this record a little bit early because I'm after taking medication. And while the medication has kicked in, I'm, uh, I'm. I think let's just go with the uh, let's go with the the vibes and, uh, and 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 get this one in the bag. Harbert here from the editing suite. Right after this recording, we'll test it positive for COVID. Get well soon, Will. Kevin also tested positive for being a pox. There is no cure. <laughs> we are Good doing morning, everybody. a little special episode. Ten kids! In which we... Ten kids? In which <laughs> we reached out to you. Do you, you know what that Patreon. means? No, I don't. What is it from? I think it's Morning Ireland. And you're very welcome back. Now, author Seamus O'Reilly was just five years old when he and his ten siblings... Ten siblings? ...sadly lost their mum. it's hilarious it's like when you've not read the teleprompter (laughs) sorry it is so funny it's just coming back to me Uh, look it up morning early you have to yeah we have to find a clip for that Will what are you drinking Jesus it looks like you're drinking from a gallon of water I am drinking I'm drinking it this is this is two litres of water this is a, uh, you don't drink that much every day do you yeah as you're supposed to do you're supposed to drink two litres of water every day I think that's a myth well, I'm drinking and I feel absolutely on top of the world. I, am, I, don't, I don't feel ill whatsoever. 
My God, wouldn't you just be running to the jacks every ten minutes? Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. But uh, I tell you, it's like uh, Niagara Falls. It's like crystal spring water. And I'm happy with it. I'm I'm enjoying it. I've got a thick tongue. I feel myself being thirsty for water a lot more than usual. So that's a good thing. My God, you might be diabetic. No, it's only since I started drinking so much water that I started getting this uh, thing. It's a thing when you get in the habit of ritual of drinking water, you kind of get used to drinking water. You kind of keep drinking water. And uh, rather than running for biscuits the entire time, I just take a sup of water. It's great. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to get healthy. That's all I'm doing. Look at you. You're trying to you're trying to pull me off my path. You're like, going, I'm not. What are you doing? I'm not. Go, go out here and get yourself a get some whiskey. God, <laughs> I'm not full I'm fat milk. <laughs> you should be drinking three liters of full fat milk a day. It's nine in the morning, and I'm on my third cup of coffee. I mean, I don't judge. <laughs> no, right. Well, okay. Heading the game. Yeah. Uh, our Patreon backers on Discord. All those mad bastards said, well, one of them said, James Doherty said, why don't you do a Q&A episode? And I thought, we're not going to get enough questions. And he said, hold my beer. So <laughs> right. we've gotten a fair few questions here. Yeah. And um, we thought we'd just do an episode and just sort of like riff off them. I glanced at the questions just to make sure that there were questions and I forwarded them to you. Yeah. But I can't remember what they are. So I'm... I haven't prepared anything for this. I'm just going to okay. go off it. Right. I had a quick read of them before we got on the call, just so I could, so I could remind myself how to read. And uh, yeah, I can. So I'm, I'm, uh, they're good questions anyway. Will we start the timer? Oh, I don't think there's any point in starting the timer because. So we're just going to go through all the questions. What, do you think we should just stop when the timer runs out? I could do, maybe that's a good way of doing it. And then we could come I th- back. I think we, we just need to get as many as we can get in the time allotted. I like that idea. And then that means we come back for a second allotment of Q&A questions. All right. That's okay. Let me get up my app here. Right. So I'll set it for one hour. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> you tell me. Set it for 35 minutes. Oh, all right. And I'm starting the timer. No. We're not going to answer all the questions. We're just going to pick a couple and we'll save the others for a later date because we won't get through them all. So um, there's there's a load of questions here, but there's a couple that I think might be good. Good idea. Good idea. All right. Well, I read out the first question. Okay. Okay. This is from Don Hayes. Don says, what's your favorite color? Uh, me, um, I I'm always end up going for a kind of a navy. Uh, kind of, I like navy blue. What about you, Kevin? Don didn't ask that question, so I'm not going to dignify it with a response. Right. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse you me. Sound, God. You sound worse than me this morning, Kevin. I am. I'm still drunk. Oh, right. Okay. Real questions then. Yeah. Okay. I thought that would be funnier, but then again, Don's not funny. Okay. <laughs> Yes, you are done. <laughs> Real question. This is from Patrick. Patrick, we just did an episode from uh, Patrick's recommendation. We did time crimes. Yeah. And Patrick also straight in there with a question for us. And Patrick says, hey, Will and Kevin, looking forward to this episode. Here are some questions. Cheers, Patrick. The first question, he said, what movie has aged the worst or the best over time? Okay. I have an answer to that, right? Because I did think about this when I saw it. I went, that's a good Good, because I don't. So you think about it. The one that I went to after thinking about it, a film that I 
thought was fantastic when I first saw it in the cinema when it came out. It got loads of awards and critical praise. But now, 20 years later, I'm feeling a little bit about the film. And that's American Beauty. I think. Oh, right. Yeah. American Beauty. I love Beauty. that script. Yeah. But it now has a feel. I don't know if I could watch it again. Particularly in one angle because Kevin Spacey and the all of the baggage that comes with him. And then his character is kind of leching on this young teenage girl. And I just feel so icky as a consequence. And then the rest of the film, there's something... Um, it does yeah. feel like he's the villain of the movie now, doesn't it? It really does. It just paints it all in a different light. So uh, I think uh, that's my answer for that. I think that one is definitely a film which I really thought, this is top cinema. This is top cinema back in whatever it was, 98, 99. Um, and now I, I, I think, yeah, maybe I was... Times have changed. That's basically it. Have you got a... I usually find that it happens with horror movies where the impact of them is lessened. What was cool and novel about them sort of gets diluted by all the copycats that come along. So, um... I find that James Cameron stuff tends to feel a little... Uh... The impact of it doesn't feel as strong, though, because his dialogue almost feels like a parody, though, when you hear characters saying it in movies. I guess because so. it's been so aped, so copied by others even just you know amongst your friends you'd be like we're in the pipe five by five and then when you hear characters saying it it feels like a spoof Mm -hmm. you you can't take anything away from how great those movies still are but I do find myself going like "Mm, god that feels a bit ropey now Um, for some reason The Fog John Carpenter's The Fog I remember that being a belter of a movie and then I rewatched it recently recently within the last five years and I thought this is meandering all over the place um same thing with Gremlins oh really I remember seeing Gremlins on the big screen in LA and when you're watching a movie projected and you know there's no breaks you can't look at your phone it's just start to finish mm-hmm. and the tonal changes and the sort of the the dropped storylines and um the sort of the juxtaposition between all the different characters and what's going on it felt manic in a way that that was sloppy rather than intentional okay so Gremlins is a movie that's made up of great parts but when you put them all together in that formation you you sit down and you take it in and you know you're spending all this time setting up Judge Reinhold's character and and the the confusion of having Billy have a best mate who's 12 Mm -hmm. and he's an indeterminate age but he works at a bank and he lives at home and his girlfriend also works at a bank but also works at a bar. Mm-hmm. It's like all these things where you feel like, is this sort of like other drafts that are sort of bleeding into each other? So I don't know. I still like those movies but I felt that they weren't beyond criticism. Very good. Very good. Now, I'll ask you Patrick's next question, okay? And you're going to feel this I'll say the first. best one though is Mad Max Fury Road because I watched it again recently and it's not aged at all and I think a good hack to, to avoid dating your film is to avoid anything to do with computers or telephones. Good idea. Yeah, good idea. So the next question from Patrick Set it in the is, if the budget slash rights were no object, which book would you adapt as a movie? That's a tough one. 
You go first. The one I can actually mention one because I actually did read it, and I know they're trying to make a film about it, and I think it's a fantastic. I think it's a fantastic concept, and the there are trilogy books and a fantastic. The, the world building it is amazing. It's called Scythe, right? And I, I believe I mentioned this to you before. And mm, I don't it know. Is, well, it's one I, I actually pitched on trying to get this job like a while back and didn't get the job, but it's a, a big budget thing. And the concept is we're in the future where humanity has solved all its problems or AI has solved all our problems. Like there's no more, no such thing as death. All illness is, uh, is, uh, has been cured. And the problem is, is as a consequence, when we have no more death, we still have to, we now have to manage our population, uh, you know, manually. So there's an organization has been set up called Scythes and they're basically Grim Reapers and they're like priests in an area and their job is to manage the population of their area. And they're the, they're like the fucking king. They're the, the, they can't be touched because their job, their job is essential for humanity. And uh, so they go around and kill whoever they want, but they have to hit a quota every year. So they have to kill so many, so many people every year in their, in, in a, in a um in their particular territory. Oh, I have heard of this. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. it was you were telling me. Yeah, that sounds cool. I told you about this. Yeah, it's a great cons- a great word. It sounds like a 2000 AD comic. Yeah. They wrote a it was a it's a young uh, a, a young adult uh, fiction like a Hunger Games type thing. And it was a trilogy trilogy of books. The second one is excellent. Third one isn't so great. So basically, Scythe, that's the one I think would make uh, a cool film. How about you, Kevin? Um, the only one that I can think of that already hasn't been adapted or isn't about to be adapted um, is a book called We Are Legion and um, I know the or title. We Are Bob is the subtitle and it's do you know this one? I know the title but I can't remember the editing book, book tell me it has elements of Ready Player One but it's about a guy who um, has his head frozen cryogenically frozen and he wakes up in the future 117 years in the future and he's now basically the property of the state and um, he's been uploaded into computer hardware in the in this spaceship, and um, and it's hilarious, and it's uh, it's got lots of pop cultural elements because everything is sort of branched out from his consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how you would adapt that. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. So cool. I would say that I don't know how you do it, and I wouldn't even know how to attempt to do it. When you're dealing with consciousness and stuff, it's very hard to sort of oh. extrapolate that and, and put it on screen. But that would be a fun one, I think. I don't know yeah. if anyone's attempting it. All right, this is a good one. <coughs> okay. Um, <laughs> we're like two homeless people. <laughs> and we're just on the side of the streets. Just ha- Lessons learned. Don't do a podcast at nine in the morning. Okay. Um, okay. All right, next question. You get to run Disney for a year. What would you do? Okay, I would get them to cop the fuck on with how they're treating Pixar and stop forcing Pixar into a sequelized model, demoralizing the staff by having them having putting their allegedly. Well, they are demoralizing the staff by putting their original features on their streaming platform and not giving them the proper marketing push that they need to get and uh, try and make Pixar a kind of an institute of good original ideas that it once was and uh, give them, just reinstate that sense of uh, 
that sense of uh, creative storytelling that is under the stewardship of John Lasseter no because you've got people like Pete Doctor there and Andrew Stanton hopefully and uh, a couple that was other. a joke Will. all right okay and I would say I would another thing I would get them to do is I would get them to preserve their brand they're after purchasing Marvel and they've Star Wars and they've all these other things I would get them to institute a company-wide policy of trying to maintain the quality of the brand by focusing on undersaturation instead of oversaturation of the market. They used to do that, scarcity, but yeah. that felt a little um Go back to the vault, where it's like, oh, this film's just in the cinema for two for one year and it's back <laughs> so in the your- <laughs> well, walks into the boardroom, right, lads, here's what we're going to do. We're going to delete half of our films that are on the streaming service, Disney Plus, And we're going to tell people that they can come back in six months and we'll put Frozen 2 back up there for a week. Then we'll take it off again. I'm only talking, what I'm talking about is... That'll drive up subscribers. Focus away, as in a, 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 a reduce the amount of, of franchise films... And instead of having all of those big franchise films create original stories with uh, giving uh, filmmakers uh, an original shot because you're making enough money, you'll make enough money from your big franchise films to kind of uh, buffer the gamble on these original original stories and you're giving us more stories rather than the same stuff over and over and over again and, dri- dri- and driving every franchise into the ground. So that's what I would do. How about you? I would hire me... You've already been hired. You're already hired. You're the boss. You're running okay. Disney. Then I would appoint somebody to do the job of running Disney while I do all the creative stuff. Right. And and I would just take us back to um, very dark and sinister kids' films. That's good. I'm I, I'm all for that. Shall I? And guess? I would pay all of the outstanding contracts to all of the people that worked on novelizations and um, extended universe books and all that kind of stuff and comic book artists uh, and comic book writers I would take their IP and I would credit them front and centre for the film adaptations of their work damn right damn right Kevin Okay. well I'm going to show you another question right I've got one more which is a good one right um What's the biggest weakness or strength in your own writing? Oh, Lord. I can tell you what yours is. Please, tell me. Your writing's not my writing. What's your biggest weakness? Ah, uh, that's a sweet way of giving me a compliment. Um, If I was to be... Uh, I compliment self- myself there. Oh, sorry. Okay, right. I, <laughs> well, my brain is not at 100%. We can tell. Uh, my biggest weakness or the thing that I struggle with the most is I'm spelling spelling is one definitely grammar grammar is right up there as well (laughs) genuinely punctuation atrocious at all of those things that uh, that are quite important Um, my dialogue I find dialogue it's the the thing I focus on last in a scene really oh yeah I know and I know it it's the way my ear is right I think very visually about my films and I think about the feelings of my films and the feelings of the scene and the feelings of the characters and where the characters are at. And I wished that I, at the end of the process, I I basically lay down the tracks of the dialogue, first of all. But that's kind of how I write anyway. And I just lay down the bare minimum. 
and it's once I've got things locked in, I go back and I try and polish the dialogue up to a place where I'm at least not embarrassed to share this, the, whatever it is, the scene and all this sort of stuff. So it's my dialogue. I wish I had a better, I had an ear like yours for dialogue. And I know for a fact it's just one thing about my own writing that I would kind of go, oh, you know, it's, I think there's, you just either have an ear for it or you do not. And, uh, and like, for instance, with music, with music, I can, I, I, I'm, I can re- recall the, the tune to almost any piece of music, right? And I can, I can, uh, throw it out, but I don't register lyrics at all. I don't re- retain lyrics. I, um, they just don't, they just go, don't go through my head, which is so strange. I just think it's the way my brain works. Weird. How about you, Kevin? Um, I love writing dialogue. I could fill 90 pages with characters just talking. If I didn't have to think about any of the other stuff, if you said to me, write a date scene, I could write a 20 minute date mm-hmm. scene, or I could write a, a two minute date scene, or a breakup scene, or a confrontation, or a firing. I could write page after page after page after page of that. So, dialogue and stuff like that is great for me. I love the negotiation that goes on between the power dynamic in a scene where one person wants something and the other person is either figuring it out through what the other one is saying or trying to get something of their own. The things that I bop up against is when people talk about conflict in scenes, younger writers, newer writers often take conflict and think of um, arguing, physical Mm -hmm. fights or anything that, that feels like it's one person opposed to the other. But conflict can be as gentle and as fascinating as two people trying to be polite I don't know I love that stuff the stuff that I really 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 struggle with is and it's the stuff that you'll get noted on immediately and I have to work very hard to sort of build that robust structure that is uncritiquable is the structure itself is the the mechanics of A to B to C to D and transitions I can I can honestly get locked in and spend days and days stuck because I don't know how to get two characters from one scene to the next scene and in my brain I think I've got to show them travelling to the scene it's a it's a weird thing where I'll come back to it later and go like well fuck's sake I can just cut and suddenly they're there people will put the two things together <laughs> but in my head yeah. I think like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm cheating and I need to I need to be able to logically map the choices and the decisions yeah. that the characters make to get from one scene to the next so I love when I get a transition right but then also I'm rambling here a little bit but also if I love a transition and I know how hard I've worked on figuring out a transition I can sometimes be really resistant to changing the, the, the flow of a sequence because I like that transition and for those that don't know what a transition is the, the most basic of all are the Colombo things where he'll walk to the door and he'll turn around and go like, um, one more thing. And then he'll say whatever the, the crucial thing is. Or characters will have a scene at a locker and then the person will slam the locker and you'll cut <laughs> off the slamming. Those are the things. Anyway. Um, will, do you have any questions? You're going to tell me that you've got James's questions. Kevin, I do. <laughs> I've got James's questions. <laughs> Oh my god, I thought we'd be more lucid for a morning recording. Instead, we're like, it might as well be two in the morning. 
Oh, I'm. T- but I genuinely say I am. I am ill. That's why I was like going. I I need to do this while before I before I I don't know whatever overcomes me. Yeah, James gave us uh, three sets of questions. Uh, one specifically for you, one specifically for me, and uh, a couple of questions that are for both of us. I'm going to ask you the first one that James has for you, Kevin, specifically, and you can maybe do the next one for me. James's first question to you specifically is. When you get the spark for a story idea, does it come in the form of a 90-minute film by default? Parenthesis, considering how popular TV shows are today. Close parenthesis. I think of stories um, and ideas for stories around the ending. What does this mean? Where is it going? How do I want people to feel at the end of it? That usually is... Um, more in keeping with features because a feature is about one singular thing and sort of all the ramifications to happen with it. The way that I think of it is that a, a movie is like an event. With a TV show, it's more of a premise that can keep going and going and going and going and throwing up things. So my ideas tend to be a, a, a single event or a, a twist on a premise that feels more like this is going to be all or nothing for these characters and and what happens to them when they experience this and how do they deal with it and where does it take them to Mm -hmm. you could get an idea and it would be E.T. or you could get an idea and it's Alf but I get the idea that's E.T. because I'm focused on Elliot at the end letting E.T. go because he wants to stay with his family and you begin with a boy that doesn't feel like the family exists anymore it's fractured and it takes an alien coming Mm -hmm. in to sort of heal the family I would think of a, of an idea in that regard um, I've really struggled with TV premises I've got a couple but they don't come to me naturally because it's always about this open-ended thing of what does this lead to that is the next problem that leads to the next problem that leads to the next problem that's why I like episodic TV as well because I like those contained stories with a familiar group of characters so it's for me it's always an event, a, stu- uh, uh, a concept. How was that, Will? Did you like that answer? Is it sufficient? I thought it was excellent. Yeah. I'll move on to this one. This is a question from James to Will. Will, is there any difference in the way you approach writing for animation versus live action? From a starting point, no, I approach them uh, exactly the same way when I'm trying to build a story. I... Uh, try and think of uh, I try and think of the structure of the film and figure out what's going on thematically and what's going on with the characters and how it will all play out as a story so I approach it all as the one but maybe when it comes to the maybe when it comes to the uh, I suppose execution of the film in my head I kind of know in animation I have a little bit more liberty with gravity and with reality because I know on animation you can be more expressive and you can be more overt with your with can your, I ask um, a follow up question that with your is part of that can you picture your characters can I picture yeah. my characters I, I I can picture the world they're in usually they're like not like stick figures but I, I can visually I can, I can imagine the world they're in the type of type of world that they're in and if it's an animated film I can imagine a kind of a heightened world that's uh, or maybe colourful world or whatever sort of world they're actually in and it's not the world that we're in right now versus in live action if I was writing a live action script 
I would know that the laws of physics are quite different. And I don't mean that in a, in a, I don't, I, I mean it in, in a sense that the characters will behave in a certain way that they, in a live action film versus they, they, how they would differently to in, in an animated film. But if someone comes to you and this gets asked of me a lot and I can never answer it, who would you cast? Who would I cast in a, in a script or in a, in a thing? As your characters, yeah. When I'm writing characters, I know the the vibe, I know the mood, I know the, the personality type. I know how they change the molecules in the room when they walk into it. I can tell you what they're wearing. I can tell you what their hair is like. Um, I can tell you what build they are. But I can't picture their face. Their face is just a blank to me. Yeah. Their face would be a blank to me as well. But their energy... You know their energy. That's what I mean. So when I get asked, who would you cast in this role? I can never give them an answer because I can't tell you. I can just tell you who's not right for it. I can only say there have been instances where we have already precast. Let's say on Wolfwalkers. When we were writing the character of Bill, the dad in Wolfwalkers, when we were conceiving him, we said, he's a bit like Sean Bean, isn't he? So I went off and wrote the character of Bill as Sean being in my head with his voice and wrote his dialogue with Sean being right. And for us, we were looking if we got Sean being cast in the role. So it was really easy. So it was like, there's Sean being playing the kind of dialogue that I wrote in the Sean being voice in my head. I never do that. I usually write like people that I know in my own in real life. life. Yeah, same. Yeah. 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 I mostly pull on people in real life. Oh, they're kind of like this person and they're kind of like that person or, that you know what's not movie stars. So yeah, that's how I go. And you, when casting, then you're looking for someone that embodies that energy, even though they mightn't at all. Yeah. Kind of go, that's the energy. That's the energy of that yeah. particular individual. So um, Kevin, this is for you from James. Do you have a clearly defined point during the writing process where you start to flesh out the characters? See... I start with a concept and the concept will be something which I've not seen before. I'm chasing some sort of original approach to a story. I, I don't want to, I will shut down immediately and I'll, I'll lose all interest in a project if I feel like I'm copying something else. So I'll start with, with an idea and the idea is something I've not seen before. And then I will find characters who are in direct conflict with that premise. And, um, uh, a, a way to to put it be and this is just no I'm just thinking off the top of my head I, I've not prepped this if I was to do a movie about a runner a marathon runner I would ca- I would think of a character who had no legs right it depends I guess on the story but if uh, uh, other people would think oh well you're going to cast a runner in that or you're going to cast somebody who can can carry out the premise of the story which is to run but I would go the opposite and go like, no, I'm going to cast somebody who has no legs because how does somebody with no legs run? Mm-hmm. The, the obstacle is directly in front of them, which is the premise of the story. And then the theme comes out of the character's choices. Uh, some people, they, they have a character first and then uh, the, the, they build a story around them. I have an obstacle, a premise, an idea, and then the characters are, are the ones that struggle the most with it yeah here's another question mm-hmm. as a keen gamer have you ever considered writing a game oh my god I've considered writing I uh, like I've considered the game being involved in the, the, the creation of a game but I think as bad as it is as it is to be a writer in the film world being a writer in the gaming world is a lot worse so if I was to 
write a game, I would say construct a game or create a game. Yes, I have. Um, I, I, I think about it the other time where I'm like going, oh, actually, that would be a really cool game. Or, um, uh, so I do come up with concepts for games. Not often, but every so often I go, oh, actually, that would be a cool game. Like, okay, how would you do? You know, I think I did one, came up with one about it, um, a ghost who was haunting a house, like an app game where I wanted to see what it would be like for a ghost to exist in a house, a uh, kind of a haunting thing. And there, um, and it went through different generations of people, occupants who came into the house and you were interacting with them and stuff like that. And I, I can't remember anything more other than that. I've never really thought of games as being um, a way to tell stories. Yeah, they're, And I know that they've become more and more about the, the storytelling aspect. Depends, but. yeah. Some some of them are. Some some of the, the new generation of um, narratives and games are really, really compelling. Uh, there was one called Gone Home, which I just loved. And it was just about this girl who comes home from college. And the, the house is really... It's a first-person perspective game. It's not a shooter. She comes home from college. And the house is abandoned. Her home is empty. So you're navigating this creepy house and trying to figure out what's going on. And it was incredibly... I like those. I like mystery games. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to do something of that ilk where it was like, yeah, very atmospheric, where it's very narrative-led, where you're trying to uncover your... You're you're trying to uncover what's going on, the backstory, and there's some sort of mystery involved. Um, Yeah. So, look, if I ever got the opportunity, I would jump at it. Or doing an adventure game, that would be class. Um, I downloaded Thimbleweed Park on your recommendation actually last week. It's very, very so good. I started that and I just love those type of adventure and games. And do you love it? So far, I think it's class, yeah. So I'm just... Uh, I love it Just too. at the very beginning. So yeah, I would I would love to try and... Um, I was trying to tr- do the, the sales speak thing there with you. Oh, uh, do you love it? <laughs> there was a sales agent that... Um, she told me that she does this and then she actually did it to me yeah. I watched a film that she had worked on and uh, and I it was, uh, was alright it was okay yeah. but um, she said did you love it? and I said um, yeah it, it was good yeah yeah and she goes I know I loved it too uh-huh. and then she she introduced me to one of the producers involved and she was saying like um, we're just talking about how much we love your film oh wow I was like, you're upselling me here. Wow. Wow. It, it kind of works on people. You can put words into their mouth and sort of and, yeah. and sort of convince them that they like it more than they do. Anyway. <laughs> I'm going to ask you another one from James. Do you have a process or routine to get your creative juices flowing? I do my best writing between about 11 and 2. Uh, it's when my brain is most clear-headed. But in terms of a process... No, it's like I get up, I'll have a cup of coffee, I will um, have a cry thinking about my <laughs> life choices. I don't know. Do I have a process? I don't know. It's just get it done. Sit get down. It done. Sit down. Write as much as you can <laughs> until you're bored. And don't overextend yourself. Don't push yourself beyond what you've done. I try to keep writing in a playful space where it's not as taxing as it should be. Because I'm very resistant to anything that I dislike. So if I turn writing into something which I hate doing, I'll never do it again. So I would always just write two or three scenes and I'm done. I'm not going to push it beyond that. No, you're damn right. I'm not going to go for five or six scenes. And I see people on Twitter and I see people talking about they've written a script in a week. And I think, yeah, but 
I bet it's a dog shit script and you've just mm. created so much work for yourself. Yeah. I don't know. I just like to create it. Writing for me should be playful and imaginative and um, uh, addictive. I can so, answer. I can give an answer to that as well because I learned. He didn't when ask I was, you. I'm going to answer it anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, when I was in the, when I was writing my first script, when I was working in the medical device factory, we started really early, but I learned that I didn't have that much time in the evening time to write the screenplay. So I would spend most of my time because uh, I was at work for like half six or seven o'clock. I can't remember. Uh, so I spend my day in the factory. In working. the morning? You'd start mm-hmm. working half six in the morning? Something. Uh, if you're in early, maybe you start at half six, but you finish a bit early. You might finish at half three or four or something like so that. So you'd be getting up at what time? Could be at usually like six or quarter to six. Depends on the day. Oh, so you were very close to where you were. Oh yeah, we were close, yeah. Um, but what I used to do was I'd go to work and I would say, right, I need to I need to solve this cr- this story problem today. But if you go into work, if you roll out of bed and go straight into work, you were you you actually your brain doesn't wake up or my brain didn't wake up until about nine o'clock, even though I've been at work for two hours at this stage. And I figured out a hack for that. And my hack was I used to get up like fifteen minutes earlier and I'd had a little notepad and a pen and I would just randomly write one page. And it was just fucking free writing. Just like, I, why am I up early in the morning? Fuck this shit, fuck this shit. Automatic writing. Automatic writing. But by the end of it, what that, <laughs> that would do is that it wakes up your your creative brain. So you, my, I went into work with my creative brain awake and engaged and in that mode of like, right, I'm awake now, I'll get going. So let's just start thinking. So as I was sitting at my machine uh, making heart catheters, heart stents uh, I, w- I was actually working on the story problems so that's what I still do today is I sit down and I say right just write 15 minutes just write 15 minutes and that's all you have to do and you can be done for the day and then you start waking up that's basically there it. are two hacks that I can pass on that work uh, or they have worked for me for a long time one is that you can't think your way out of a problem you have thought mm. your way into a problem so you're not in the position to be able to think your way out of it because you've created the problem. You have to talk out the problem, get it out of your head, talk to somebody else, explain to them what the problem is. You should, remember years back, we would talk and it'd be like, I just need to tell somebody what I'm, what the, the issue is. And yeah. just in the process of telling you, I've got these two characters and I can't figure out how to get them out of the house and get into a car. And I suppose I could just like have them in the car and they'd be like, actually, I've got it. I need to go. I'll, I'll talk to you later on. It'd be yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is do something manual and physical, which is uh, something you don't need to think about. That can be mm-hmm. exercise. The amount of times where I've been on a treadmill and I need to get off the treadmill to write something down um, yeah. because it's come to me or you're in the shower or you're going for a walk. Uh, when I was coming up with stuff for grabbers, I'd be out swimming in the sea yeah. and I'd be out like splashing about and suddenly an idea would come to me. And I'd have to get out of the water, go all the way back, dry myself off, write it down, put it back and go back in and enjoy the rest of the swim. When I was working in the medical device factory, I had these little note cards. I was my phys- I was just physically doing the same thing over and over again all day. So my mechanical brain was occupied. It had something yeah. to do. But, so it just allows your creative brain uh, space to play. And it, it's almost like, okay, I, I rephrase it. Your critical brain is occupied with the mechanical task so your creative brain is has got free reign to play. So that's what you want. You want to you want to sort out your critical brain and uh, get him out of the way. Get him fucking give him some toys to start to play with. 
Get in the shower and wash your ass and you'll solve your problems. Yeah, that's true. I think that's good advice. That's, I, yeah, I, I, I think that's great advice. Tis. We've only got a few minutes left. Let's do one more. And we'll take yeah, it from one the more. questions for both. Yes. Okay. All right. So questions for both are either. Let's see if we can answer one each. I'll ask you one yeah, okay. and you ask me one. A producer right. approaches you with an obscene amount of money to write a screenplay. The catch is that it's a reboot of your beloved childhood film or franchise like Jaws, Indiana Jones, Alien, Terminator, Jurassic Park. Refusal is not an option. Which beloved franchise would you write a reboot for? Not a sequel or a spin-off. Will. I have an answer to this because I have been reading a set of books with my son, which is a beloved film franchise. And when I'm finishing each book, I'm like going, they shouldn't have made a film out of this. They shouldn't have made a film. The Famous Five. Not The Famous Five. The Harry Potter franchise. They should have made the Harry Potter franchise as a TV series, like on the scale that they would do now. Because each story, each book is 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 organically would translate to a series. Absolutely. Because they have to cut so much out of each book to make it, you know to make it a, a, a filmic story, you know? And as a result, you're, the films feel like they're just the footnotes of the book or just like the plot points of the book. Not all the time, but sometimes it does feel like that. And I feel the fun of the book is being able to spend more time with the more time you spend with the characters and actually kind of like see how each mystery for each year unfolds is the actual fun. And I think, and I'm not saying this should happen, but I'm thinking if I had another... if if I could turn back time, I would say I would say let's do a TV series of the Harry Potter books and do it on the with a massive budget. Turn and, back uh, time. Turn back time. Massive budget, and uh, I think those servers, stories would have been better served. That's what I think. That's my answer to that one. Okay. Uh, you asked me one. So, Kevin, this is going to be the last question, and we'll save the the others for another time. Kevin, do you have a well, comfort film or wallpaper film? something to stick on in the background or watch when you just uh, when you can't be arsed thinking about what to watch yes it is is Midnight Run I have it on Ah. my phone I have it on my iPad Um, I downloaded it into Apple Movie saved it Uh, it's just a film that makes me happy and I love the music I love the the locations I love the banter I love the story I love how it ends it always makes me quite tearful at the end um, it's such a, a fun lovely uh, movie I don't know what, what else to say but I just love oh. it I always oh, I always I'll be stuck on a plane and we're delayed and I'll just take my phone and I'll just put on um, Midnight Run and just let it play I have to watch it again. That's a film that I haven't seen in 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 quite a long time, and it's a it's a very good film. It's in my top ten of all time. My favorite Robert De Niro movie, without uh, question. Um, I love it. 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 It's very good. It is very very good. It's not very good. It's perfect. It's. it's I'm serious. I'm serious. It's a perfect film. It's quite good. It's quite good, yeah. No, it's a perfect <laughs> film. Yeah, you're right. It's very good, Kevin. It's very, very good. 
you are sick, sick in the head. <laughs> uh, for me, I don't know if I have any comfort. Oh, there goes the it. timer. Ah, fuck uh. you. <laughs> I honestly don't know if I, I, I would say I, I'm kind of like a dad movie comfort film guy. Like a, a World a War dad II movie? film. Yeah. Like, what, oh, a, a Midnight Run is a dad movie. I got one for you. Apollo 13. That's one. If Apollo 13 was on, I would go, ah, oh, I can just sit, I can just sit down and I can just, I can, I can just feel myself just sliding go into to that sleep. Go to sleep, yeah. And being swept away. Perfect nap movie. Look at you, look at you, look at you. <laughs> no, you just denigrated my favourite film. I One of my favourite I films. said it was a perfectly good film. You didn't say that. I said it's R- Rewind the film. tape. It's quite, quite good. good. It's quite, quite good, good, yeah. yeah. No, it's a perfect <laughs> film. Yeah, you're yeah, right. It's, it's very, very good, good, Kevin. It's very, very, very good. good. See, you're taking offense because I wasn't. See, I, I wasn't. I wasn't subscribing to the fact that it's like see? it's not my top ten favorite film of all time. That's one of my favorite jokes in The Simpsons. See, I told you, Mr. Burns has changed. See, Lisa, nobody likes a gloater, right, homie? Uh huh. See, <laughs> very good, very good. I uh, listen. They were great questions, and they were. F- they were the guys sent more questions than that but I think we have um, we'll do the rest of the questions soon and um, and I'll stick a cattle prod up Will's arse why are you trying to pleasure me Kevin I'm not I'm blaming you which I shouldn't be doing because I'm just as bad lads you can't see Kevin Kevin's sitting here with his aviator shades on like you know it's like he's about to take off at his flight sim and uh, he's got to fly into Newark. <laughs> you can tell when I'm just I'm I'm not fully woken up because I I can't think of I can't think of a way to crack a joke. I'm just like, that's right. Kevin's still in he's still in his pajamas. Why do you sleep with sunglasses on, Kevin? <laughs> because the mirror on the ceiling is when the sun comes in, the glare is too much. It wakes me up. <laughs> Very good, very good. Still, this is fun to do. It's fun to do. Uh, thanks so much for the questions. Thank you so much for the questions. I really appreciate the the questions, and I would love to do more. And uh, the next time, I will be in better form. Do you have anything to recommend, Will? Oh, we're doing that. Uh, oh shit, I would do. Let me think. Um, take your time. Oh, I really enjoy. I know if anyone else does. I really enjoyed a Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend podcast. Do you ever listen to that? I was listening to Andy Richter on a podcast uh, on the Andrew Santino podcast. I really like Andrew Santino's podcast called Whiskey Ginger. I'm going to recommend that. Um, but he had Andy Richter on. And Andy Richter was Conan O'Brien's wingman for many years. Yeah. And uh, it was interesting the things he was saying about the tension that came about when he wanted to leave the show to yeah. do Andy Richter Saves the Universe and Conan not being happy about that. But he had to take that opportunity because it was him to head up a sitcom and get yeah. big money for it and he had a baby on the way and then he came back and how the show petered out the Conan O'Brien show and they ended it in, in lockdown during COVID yeah. and they were sort of doing it from home and they felt like he was talking about the ratings and all the shows has just plummeted really really plummeted and that the podcast itself the Whiskey Ginger podcast would get higher ratings higher viewers than the late night show with Jimmy Fallon Jesus Christ nobody's watching terrestrial TV anymore no no I enjoy it actually I've got another thing that I was watching this morning I uh, accidentally stumbled upon a YouTube American YouTube channel called Hot Ones 
where celebrities oh, right. okay. try and do. Oh, I know what you're talking. You're talking about the hot sauce thing. Yeah, where people that's try been going and get, for years. I only literally found it this morning because it just randomly a video came up. It was Maya Rudolph. <laughs> Maya Rudolph, and she fucking loses it. She's drinking beer. She's playing it up though. She's she, playing it up. Very on that funny. One. It's very it funny. She gets really, really cross at you, man, for making her do this. So people, celebrities are being interviewed while they are eating whatever chicken wings with increasingly hotter sauce and uh, they start off all brave and he's trying to interview them and ask them questions and they just are losing their composure because obviously their mouth is on fire so um, I just watched two this morning it's very funny actually I'm also going to recommend um, the Lazarus Project Joe Barton show on Sky um, it's really difficult to do time loop stories to do anything novel with them we just watched Time Crimes we spoke about it on that episode but um, there's so many great ideas in that show because the, the loop is one year so every July 1st it resets to that point okay and if you think through what can happen in a year you can have a baby if the baby's born and then you've got to reset the world to save the planet like if you to go back you lose like to, the baby if you went back even like with one year ago year ago you would know about you'd know about the podcast and I'd know not to continue <laughs> alright everybody Excellent. This is alright. I'll see you. Bye. This was excellent, Kevin. This was amazing. Amazing. Fantastic editing, by the way. Yes. <laughs> alright, everyone. Okay, good luck. Thanks very much for questions and, and listening in. We'll do it again properly when Will is not drunk. Hey, 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 hey. Stop. Okay. Stop. Listen. <laughs> Stop it. Stop. <laughs> Stop. The best bits or whatever. And here is a clip from the lads' latest mini bits bonus show, the full episode. Plus 100 more are available on their Patreon. Many bits. Another new episode. Of this Patreon podcast. Exclusive. The best bits podcast will Kevin, how are you? Hi, honey. How are you? Oh, you know, I've got this. I've got my corn sorted out. I went to the Chiraptist the other day and uh, she Your said... corn? Uh, my corns. Did you, ever get, did you ever get corns? No. Did you know what a corn is? Yeah, it's a bunion on your foot, isn't it? Yeah, like in between your toes and stuff like that. Do you, do you not wear any shoes like around the house you walk no, barefoot? I, I, I wear... No, it's the opposite. GA shorts. It's the opposite. I wear incredibly tight shoes. Like those Chinese women oh. who get their feet bound, who had their feet bound, like, you know, before the turn of yeah. this last century. And so they had incredible corns and bunions. This is a great 
opener for our Mini Bits episode where we get people disgusted. Squally, it's episode 73 of the Mini Bits. <laughs> I'm Kevin, you're Will. This is yeah. our Patreon podcast. Thank you to all our lovely patrons. Yeah. A few of you have jumped in recently. I don't know what we said. We try to goad people into joining up every single episode. And then every so often, it's like a lot of people join because of one specific episode. And yeah. I'm like, what did we, how did we say it? What did we say on that episode that's different <laughs> to the other 270 episodes? Maybe it didn't sound as desperate. Maybe we said, don't join. Maybe reverse psychology. That's how we should do it. Reverse psychology. Don't join up to our patron. Don't. <laughs> cancel. You don't des- Everybody cancel. <laughs> you don't deserve to be in this group. We don't want you. We don't we like don't the look need of you. you. We, don't, we don't need anybody. <laughs> it's just us. It's absolutely just us. Hey, should we tell people? We, we did, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't say it on mic, especially so early. We did an interview with the Irish Examiner last Friday. We did. Yeah. And uh, how do you think yeah. I, how do you think I did? I, I I think you did all right. Like you didn't interrupt me once, so I was <laughs> delighted with how I came across. But you know, there's no sort of time limit on this. We don't know when it's going to get posted. One of our friends was saying, Kathy at the cinema was saying that their interview with did they do the examiner as well? It was six uh, yeah. months before it posted. And, and the Guardian, I'm pretty sure. They are they were profiled in the Gar- Guardian as well. Yeah. But we don't do any really promotion. Like nah. we don't do anything. Well, this is our first time getting any sort of like proper coverage, which is going to be mad. So um, uh, listen to all you listeners who have uh, found us before we explode. You're, 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 you're an OG. Bust. You're an OG <laughs> listener before Kevin starts getting gold chains from all his Patreon dash. I think I'm more of a silver than a gold. I think yeah. my uh, undertones suit more silver. But, uh, yeah. I just want to die. Those I, are my Prince Albert. Uh, <laughs> your hat? <laughs> yeah. I Speaking of, of the, which. I want one of those diamond studs in my tooth. That's all I want. So I can go bing whenever I'm on a call. Oh, uh, yeah. Bing. I usually just, you know, wink and like glint. Yeah. Like starlight twinkle. <laughs> Speaking of which, I interrupted you. What, 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 did, what did you want to speak of, which? Start the time. Oh. I forgot. You may as well. Start the timer. They, all, all these lucky losers are listening in and, and they're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? But we have to start talking about them after Yeah, we, we say goodbye. But look, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, you've seen a few things. You've seen the new Godzilla film. Yes. I've seen the first Omen. Uh, I saw Scoop as well. That, oh, uh, we're looking Netflix forward to watching thing. that. We already okay. Okay. I'll save my thoughts. And right. um. What else did I see? I made notes, but sure, it doesn't really matter. I think I saw it. And I was going to go through all the summer releases and see what takes your fancy. Okay, okay. I'm looking forward because I don't actually know what's what's on the horizon. So, um, well, the Joker two trailer came out today. I saw it. Yes, I watched that. Mm Hmm. It reminded me of Chicago. Yeah, it's kind of like you see. It's all very much in the mind's eye. They're calling it a jukebox musical. Am I right in saying that? I think you're right in saying that. So, look, hey, listen, uh, I actually, what it, what it did remind me of <laughs> was that I want to watch, rewatch The Joker because I saw it in the cinema and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was a kind of a bold new direction. Uh, I'm just going to go back and watch the episodes from the Batman 66 show, the Joker episodes. Oh, yeah, that's going to be. Just to 
fill me in like on the lore. You know, get up to speed. Get you right up to speed. <laughs> and you'll be there going, where, where are all the guys in the purple suits with the masks? Where, when are they going to show up? And like, it's you know, a weird time though, where we have the Penguin TV show with Colin Farrell coming out, which is a totally different canon version of the Penguin. Then you have this offshoot of Joker, which is its own universe entirely. Mm. And then you have the old Batman films that you can watch. Right. And, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just, I don't know. I'm kind There's of so many IP. But like this, just everywhere. What, well, what's happened is the world, the comic book world has very much entered the, the film world. It's where you could have different runs, totally different runs of a character by it's different insane. authors and there would be totally different riffs on it and stuff. Oh, oh this is the insane. thing. Kevin, so I'm only catching up on this. You mentioned it to me on a on a pod, on a podcast. What was it on one of those uh, it was the last, show? It was the last mini bits. Uh, I you, think. S- you said everyone's describing stuff as insane recently. And have you started noticing it though? Only, only, only with people trying to raise you. That's the only type, only where place where I've noticed people. No, people on Discord are trying to every, raise you. Oh my god! Oh my god! I could start posting though, like um, tweets, comments, TikToks. Uh, articles, anything insane is everywhere. This is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There was a festival just going on about this insane lineup. I was okay. like, oh, it's a mentally ill lineup. Okay, <laughs> it's just it's it's everywhere. And the other, th- do you know, the other thing that's also bothering me lately. Wow. wow. And this has been bothering me for years and years and years. It used to be that everyone used to misspell definitely. They'd go defiantly. Okay. Oh, it's defiantly whatever. It would just they're morons. But no. <laughs> I just keep noticing everyone keeps spelling a lot as one word, A-L-O-T, a yeah. lot. Where has where have they gotten into their heads that a lot is one word? It's the same way that people will write every time as one word. What's the one that you've, you've pulled me up on a few times and I can't get it right? Compliment. Compliment. I can't, <laughs> but I can't get it right. It's like the you I. because I told you the other day. Yeah, and I went searching for it and I couldn't find it because I had to actually had to an, use it. If there's an I in compliment, it's yeah. I'm paying you oh, a compliment. That's a good way to remember it. Okay, good. And then compliment. I, I wrote that to you. But you did. And I went to try and find it because I was I would found myself writing the word compliments. And I went, shit, Kevin. But, I, but you, you gave me a thumbs up, which meant in my world that, yeah, I read that. Thanks. But I did, right? I'm talking about a couple of days later when I was faced with the exact same hurdle of writing the word compliment, I went, okay, what did Kevin say again about compliment? There's an I and the E. What did he say? So I went searching for it and I found it, I think. And I went, oh, the I is paying me a compliment or I'm giving you a compliment. It's insane how little you can retain information. It's insane. (laughs) Come here, let's start talking about what we watched. Come on. Did you start the timer? Yeah, it's it's gone. It's ticking. It's ticking down. The world's going oh, to explode. You know, I have to put in the sound effect. I have to. I have to line oh. up all my sound effects. When you said start I have the timer, like, I have a whole fucking. I have a whole soundboard. Here. Okay. Jesus Christ! Where's my fucking? What? Where's my ding dang ding? Here we go. The timer has started. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Right.